And if you want to open up your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1, then Jenny's going to be reading from verse 6 to 22, and then John is going to come and share with us. Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Thank you very much, and thank you for the invitation uh, to preach uh, today and to bring to you God's Word. And if you've got a Bible... Um, and then please keep it open um, in Ruth uh, chapter 1. As you will know, um, this is part of a series, and uh, Zoe preached last week, and unfortunately I wasn't here, and it didn't go out uh, on the um, platform, so I wasn't able to watch it. Um, But having talked to Zoe, I think... This was the gist of the sermon last week, and uh, if I've got it wrong, you can tell me afterwards. But Zoe uh, set this story uh, in its historical context. That is, as it says, it happened during the time um, of the judges. The judges were about 1380 
to 1050 BC, so somewhere uh, in that period. And this was uh, a time, and it says this at the end of the book of Judges, where everybody did as they pleased. It was a time when Israel had judges, but did not have a king. And then on that coronation weekend, last weekend, uh, Zoe declared that we have a king as Christian men and women, and his name is Jesus. And we're told not to do whatever pleases each one of us, but to follow him and to be obedient to King Jesus. So I hope that was a bit of a summary uh, of uh, last week, and we move on a little uh, in the story, and we pick it up uh, in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 6. As we have acknowledged, it was a time of uh, kind of rebellion amongst God's people, and during the time of the judges, there was a kind of a cycle a cycle of oppression and disaster. Things went wrong for the nation. A time of uh, rebellion against God. And then a time of distress and repentance on the part of the people. And then God delivers them. God restores them. God brings them back. And after a few years, the cycle uh, begins again. In this passage, uh, we are introduced to Elimelech's family and I'll just remind you because it might be unfamiliar to some of you who's who the wife was Naomi the two sons are Marlon and Kilion and uh, the father the husband is Elimelech and because of famine in Judah the family lived in Bethlehem in Judah because of famine in Bethlehem in Judah Judah the family moved to Moab. Now, Moab was a foreign country. Moab was, at times, an enemy of Israel. And, uh, but because of the famine, because of the need for food, the whole family moved to Moab. And I want, just as I just briefly retell the story for you, I want you to note the losses that Naomi experienced. And here is loss number one, loss of her home. A home was Bethlehem, and they moved to Moab. And as I say this, I want you to be aware of the losses that you have experienced. And when we talk about losses, we immediately think of bereavement, and that will be relevant for many of you here today. But there are other sorts of losses, aren't there, as well? And... Uh, it, one may be you move from familiar places and familiar people uh, to a foreign land. And that was certainly uh, Naomi's experience. So loss number one, loss of her home. The family moves to Moab. Whilst they are in, in Moab, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. Loss number two, okay, note that. And after 10 years... Her two sons, uh, Marlon and Cleon, die. But in the meantime, they have married Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. But with the death of Marlon and Cleon, Naomi has losses three and four. So we get this sense of here is somebody who has had a lot of bereavement, 
a lot of loss, a lot of disappointment, a lot of how she hoped things would work out, clearly not working out in that way. And we have a summary in verse 5 of our passage. And it says, And Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband. And we have a sense that for Naomi, the, there are gathering storms of deep darkness in her life coming upon her. And uh, the, the narrative, of course, causing that is these four losses, home, husband, and two sons. And I want just to turn the question uh, to you, brothers and sisters, today. What losses, what pain have you experienced in your life? Maybe, as we've said, it could be a bereavement and the pain of bereavement just doesn't go away, does it? And I think that for many of us, we've lost someone that we love and uh, other people move on, but that pain remains for us and may remain with us until our dying day. And we feel that loss very acutely. But we may also have a sense of loss because of being disappointed, because of things not working out how we hope they work out. Maybe in relationships, don't look around at anybody as I say this, maybe in relationships, maybe in our career. When I started out, I thought I'd be there, but I'm here and I seem to be stuck there and I'm disappointed. Maybe in academic achievement, maybe in financial freedom, there could be a whole host of reasons why we feel disappointed with our lives. And I often think that as evangelical Christians, of which I am one and have been one for more years than I can count, we're not very good at this kind of subject. We're good at victory. We're good at triumph, aren't we? But we're not very good at disappointment. Not very good at pain. Not very good at brokenness. And that's what we're talking about here. And as I begin this message, I hope not in any kind of horrible way but just you have that sense of God pointing out that brokenness that disappointment even that bitterness that is present in your life we focus on Naomi a grieving and bereaved person her reaction was anger bitterness and despair maybe there is a sense of self-pity coming across in her reaction. And that is all a part of the grief process. And I want to be very careful today. I have to confess that in about 45 years of preaching, I have preached on this before. And I have to confess that I, I beat up a bit on Naomi when I preached it before. I was a bit hard on her when I preached it before. I want to avoid that today because I really feel... She's already a broken person. She doesn't need anybody to kind of beat up on her, you know? Um, but there are all those things there in her response and her reaction. It's her very personal journey. And in your pain, in your brokenness, in your bitterness even, it's a journey that is personal but very real to you. Naomi's anger and bitterness 
is focused on God. And she makes four very clear accusations, as it were, against God. If you've got a Bible, look down. Because in verse 13, she says this, the Lord's hand has gone out against me. In other words, she's saying, the situation I find myself in is due to God's activity. That was verse 13. Verse 20, the Almighty has made my life very bitter. What's she saying? She's saying that God has robbed me of all that was good. And she reinforces that because when the women of Bethlehem welcome her back and say, Naomi's returned, she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. And as Zoe has said, that means bitterness. She was so bitter that she was even willing to change her name to label her as bitter. Verse 21, she says, the Lord has afflicted me. In other words, God has given me an incredible burden that weighs heavily upon me, that presses me down every single day. And then again in verse 21, she says, the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She is saying, the Lord is the author of my loss. But amidst her displeasure with God, which is extremely clear in those four passages, it notes how she addresses God. Two times she calls him Lord, two times she calls him Almighty. Amidst all else, there is an acknowledgement by her that God is sovereign. It's painful for her, but she declares God is in control. It's like a great burden on her back, but she knows God is over all things. God is sovereign Lord, the Almighty, the powerful one. And I wonder, brothers and sisters, and I ask you, where are you with that? Can you, amidst your pain and your disappointment, even your bitterness, can you say, God is still on the throne? Or has your disappointment pushed that kind of conviction out of the way? But as we see, Naomi, amidst her pain, could still acknowledge the power and the authority and the might of God in her life. As I said, I'm being very careful. I hope I'm not beating up on Naomi, but I want to sound a warning about her and about you, if you'd be somebody who'd say, yeah, I know about this disappointment. I know about this brokenness. I know about this bitterness. Naomi is in danger of allowing, sorry, Naomi is in danger of allowing bitterness to blind her to God's blessing. And that's the danger. That's the danger. That we're disappointed with life. We blame God for it. And actually God is wanting to bless. Wanting to do good things in our lives. Wanting to give us pleasure and joy and purpose and meaning. But we miss out on it. Because of the bitterness. And Naomi was in danger of that. 
Great quote, I think, from C.S. Lewis, and if you know him for nothing else, you'll know him for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But he says this, listen to these words. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is a megaphone to a deaf world. Hear that again. He's saying, pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. And I think in this passage, God is shouting at Naomi. She is so consumed in bitterness. She is in danger of not hearing and of missing the blessing. And as we explore this passage, these dark clouds hover over Naomi. But a rainbow is to be glimpsed through the dark clouds. For in this passage, God is going to use a Moabite woman, Ruth, to teach Naomi about how much God loves her and that he has a purpose for her. God uses people to reconcile God to themselves. Sometimes we're in a place where we can't hear directly from God. We pray, and it seems to go just as far as the ceiling. We read the Bible, and it just doesn't seem to make sense. We wait on God, and there is stony silence. Sometimes we're not in a place where we can hear from God, and we need another human being to be his witness, to be his ambassador, to speak his word into our lives. The Apostle Paul writes this to the Corinthian Christians. He says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God makes his appeal to Naomi through a Moabite, a nation that had been an enemy of Israel, a pagan woman, but who had now put her trust in Israel's God. For Ruth says to Naomi, your God, my God. Right into Naomi's intense pain, God speaks through Ruth and says three things. The first one is this. God says to Naomi, I love you with an unconditional love. An unconditional love. Some of us have been brought up with conditional love. You know what I mean by that, don't you? If you do this, if you achieve this, your daddy will be pleased with you. Your mummy will reward you. And people have done it to encourage us, but we've always felt that love was conditional. God's love isn't like that at all. Look at this passage. Naomi encourages Orpah and Ruth to return to Moab and not go to Bethlehem. She, is, she encourages them in part by this argument, two parts. And it's strange, it's a little bit weird, but listen to it. First of all, she says, I can't, we assume she's an older woman. She says, I can't provide you with another husband. She goes on to say, if I did, you would have to wait an impossible amount of time, or part and Ruth, 
before you could marry him. In other words, Naomi is saying, I can't understand why you are staying with me if I can't give you what I assume you want, a husband. What she couldn't understand and struggled to accept was Ruth's commitment to her, even though she couldn't give her a husband. Orpah returned home at this point. Ruth, like God, loved Naomi with unconditional love. Naomi couldn't, of course, give her what she would have liked, another husband. But even so, Ruth stayed with her. Ruth kept on loving her. And I believe that through that, God was wanting to shout through that megaphone and say to Naomi, Naomi, I love you with unconditional love. God wanted her to know that very plainly and very powerfully. In other words, God was saying to Naomi, my love isn't dependent on you always getting it right. My love isn't dependent on you always pleasing me. I love you even though you fail. And brothers and sisters, I want each one of us today to hear God speak. Maybe we need to hear it through a megaphone because of bitterness and hardness of heart. Hear God who says to each one of us, I love you with an unconditional love. And we'd say, but God, I've messed up. Lord, I've got it wrong. Lord, I've done this, I've done that. I've, I've failed you in action. I've failed you in attitude. I've gone away from you. I've been full of myself and not full of you. And God says, I still love you. Brothers and sisters, it's not the world's kind of love, is it? Because so much of the world's love is conditional. Please me and I'll love you. God doesn't operate on that basis. He loves each one of us unconditionally. And can I encourage you, open your heart today to that love of God. He's not setting a benchmark and saying, reach this, then I'll love you. He's saying, as you are, with your failings, with your mistakes, with all the things that you've got wrong, I still love you. The second thing God says, that megaphone, I'm holding you in my love. Verse 14, we read, Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to Naomi. But before I get into that, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. Brothers and sisters, God never says goodbye to any one of us. You may feel that he has. He's turned his back on me. He's not with me. It's a mistake. God never says goodbye to you. But Ruth clung to Naomi. Ruth physically clung hold onto her mother-in-law. Her holding here 
speaks this. It says, I care about you. It says, I share in what you are going through. We are in this together. Her holding on says, I want to strengthen you. I want to be your strength. Through Ruth holding on, God says to Naomi, God says to us, some scripture, listen to this. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will uphold you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God speaks in those passages to Naomi. God speaks in those passages to us. And he says, I am holding on to you. Do you need to have that sense? And I believe that spiritually we can. That today I am held in the arms of God. And that puts us in a place where rationally, reasonably, we may not have all the answers. We may not have resolved all the pain. But we are just affirmed in God's love for us. We just have that sense of his divine embrace. And you know, brothers and sisters, not having the answers to all the questions, not resolving all the issues, it doesn't matter when we know that we are in the divine embrace and God's arms are wrapped around us. His presence with us, his hold upon us matters more than anything else. And then thirdly, God says to Naomi through Ruth, I love you with a sacrificial love. Ruth says to Naomi these beautiful, wonderful words, where you go, I will go. and Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. When you die, I will die. And then I will be buried. And then Ruth sacrificially promises Naomi her presence with her and her participation in her life. Ruth says, your people, your place, whatever you go through, I will be there for you. It's as if Ruth is sacrificing her own life, her own uh, pleasures, her own plans for Naomi. Naomi is going to come first. And then in the name of Israel's God, Ruth affirms her commitment, her sacrifice. She says, may the Lord deal with me ever so severely if anything but death separates you and me. Ruth's love for Naomi says, I am sacrificing my life for you. I promise, whatever it costs, to be a blessing to you. She mirrors the heart of God. For we have a God who loves us so much that he has made the ultimate sacrifice of giving his one and only son.
1 John 4.10 says this, This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for your sins. In your pain, hear this. Jesus loves you. He loves other people, but hear this. Even in your pain, even in your bitterness, even in your disappointment, Jesus loves you to the point of giving his life for you. And if in those words you hear nothing else, hear this, you are worth that much to God that he give his son for you and for you as if there was no one else on this earth. You matter to God. God spoke in a transforming way through Ruth into Naomi's life. And in verse 22, it, it just says this, Naomi arriving in Bethlehem at the barley, as the barley harvest was beginning. Is that just a bit of narrative? Or is it a comment on a place that Naomi was beginning to find herself in? That God, through the love of Ruth, through the love of God, had moved, was beginning to move Naomi from hardness of heart to harvest. From bitterness to a new beginning in her role with Ruth and her place with God. Just want to hear what God is saying to us today. That's our purpose in being here. Just want to have that sense of God speaking particularly into the hearts of men and women here today who feel let down, who feel disappointed, who'd never say amongst other Christians, I feel God has let me down. But deep down, maybe you feel like that. I want you to hear loud and clear this message of God's immense and incredible and powerful and sacrificial love for you. And in that love, like Ru, like Naomi, to find healing, to find a fresh start, to find a new beginning in the presence of a God who doesn't wag a finger at you, but who loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. In the words of Andrew Lloyd Webber, but God said it first, love changes everything. Let the love of God, the love of Jesus, into your heart today and let him change and transform you. I'm going to ask the band if they would return and we're going to move into a time uh, when we have an opportunity to kind of, as it were, if you like, give an answer to God. That's what it's about, isn't it? You know, God has spoken, God has said something through his word, by his Holy Spirit. God has spoken generally to every one of us. I hope that's true. 
but God has spoken specifically to some people who find themselves where Naomi was, not exactly there, but somewhere similar. Somebody who has gone through these last weeks, months or years with the pain of disappointment, with the pain of loss, with a sense of bitterness. And you've shut yourself off to God's love, but God has come to you today and reminded us powerfully of his great love. Our prayer team is going to be out the front here. If you just want to come at the front and pray, come. If you'd like someone to pray with you, they're willing to do that. Don't go from here today and not get this sorted. Don't let bitterness overwhelm you. Let the love of God flood into your life, touch you, change you. Love changes everything. Amen. Okay, I'll leave it to the band.